Welcome to PCOM Perspectives. I'm your host, Dr. Jay Feldstein. Today, we're talking with Sadie Dogereau and Morgan Fuller, who were named by their peers and faculty members as the Student DOs of the Year for the respective campuses. Congratulations. This recognition is sponsored by the Council of Osteopathic Student Government Presidents, which is a part of the American Association of Colleges of Osteopathic Medicine. The Student DO of the Year Award honors and recognizes an osteopathic medical student who is committed to the principles of leadership, community service, dedication, and professionalism. As you will learn, both of our Georgia students are outstanding, as is our Philadelphia representative, Chantel Thompson, who was not able to be with us today. Let's meet Sadie. Sadie is a second year DO student at PCOM South Georgia in Moultrie, where she serves as the president of the local community outreach club, as the community outreach chair of the American College of Pediatrics Club, as the treasurer of the Student American Association of Osteopathy, and as the communications coordinator for the Student Ambassador Executive Board. Welcome, Sadie. Morgan, an ensign in the US Navy, is a fourth year DO student at PCUM Georgia in Swanee. During her four years as a medical student, she has served as the chair for the class of 2021, which means she is in the liaison between her classmates and PCUM Georgia's faculty and administration. She is a dedicated volunteer and has participated in the Medical Association of Georgia's Physicians Day at the Capitol, at the Two-Step CPR Public Health Initiative, and as a mentor for Camp Neuro, among numerous other activities. She has distinguished herself by receiving the American Academy of Family Physicians LEAD Scholarship, the Navy Health Professions Scholarship, and for being selected to the Gold Humanism Honor Society and Sigma Sigma Phi, a National Osteopathic Medicine Honors Fraternity. Welcome, Morgan. I have a couple questions for you too. Everyone has a story. Please tell us why you chose to study osteopathic medicine and why you chose to attend PCOM. Who wants to go first? I can take it first. Okay, Morgan, take it away. All right. Um, so I first heard about osteopathy at a graduate school expo during college. After hearing about osteopathic medicine's holistic approach to healing, I immediately knew that was the path for me. Having the ability to understand a patient's full experience and heal not just their physical health, but help them improve their mental and spiritual health really appealed to me. I chose PCOM because I was looking for a program in a major city outside of my home state of Tennessee where I could really challenge myself and be exposed to diverse groups of people and experiences. Um, in addition, I have to brag on these people for a little bit. I was really impressed with the numerous hands-on learning opportunities provided by the ClinEd faculty um, and the on-campus sim lab. Sadie? So for me, um, I'd also heard about osteopathy really just in an undergraduate seminar. We had someone that would come every year and talk about, you know, how great their school was and, you know, numerous other medical schools kind of did the same thing. But um, the reason that osteopathy stood out to me was really just because of my father. Um, my father had a traumatic brain injury when he and I were in an accident when I was about four years old. And there was just a very big difference between a doctor who would say, oh, you've had this injury and then that's kind of it. Like this is your life now versus one that said, hey, yeah, this is your life now, but this is what we can do to make it better. This is what we can do to make it more fulfilling and more just quality based. 
Um, and really, I think at its core, that's what osteopathy is. It's really more about service to your patients than anything else. And then I chose PCOM because PCOM is authentically osteopathic. <laughs> I mean, there's other schools that, of course, they're great and they have their osteopathic curriculum, but PCOM was really like, hey, we value this part of our education. Um, and so I really kind of fell in love with that. Can you give our students ideas on how you've made the most out of your medical school experience despite the COVID-19 pandemic? So that's been a really big thing on the South Georgia campus because we're just first and second years right now and everything that we've done has also kind of been the first. So there's this pressure of being the first to do anything that we wanted and then also having this pandemic that we have to concede to. But I think a lot of us have just felt like, you know, we're not going to let it get us down. So we've taken everything that we wanted to do and we've made it virtual, we've made it safe. And I'm actually really proud of our campus for doing that. So if I had to give any tips to any other students, it's just to take your circumstances, be creative with it, see it as an opportunity and just move on, just go with it. And you can really make the most of it. And like I said, we've really had a an awesome experience despite the pandemic because we've been able to do so many things and just break boundaries that we didn't even know were there before. So that's been really cool, really neat to see. Have the second years been able to help the first years through this? Because, you know, you at least had, when you started, were able to bond as a class. Whereas this class is totally fragmented. They've been under, you know, COVID quarantine guidelines remote learning from day one, with the exception of hands-on OMM. You know, have you been able to help them through this process during the pandemic? It's been tough, but we still have. Um, we do have, you know, each second year has taken on a first year mentee. Um, we've been very active with them and very, you know, we'll do everything from send study guides and notes to just checking in and say, hey, how are you doing today? So. Um, from the feedback that I've gotten from the first year, they have felt that. Now, as with each other, that has been a really big challenge, but we still, we're trying things. We're trying to, you know, just do virtual platforms where they're not just coming on and being in a class, but maybe they're actually getting to come on and do something that they enjoy. Um, but that has been a challenge for sure. But I think everyone's just kind of like, hey, this is temporary, we'll get through this, and then we'll have this experience. And I think in the end, they'll kind of be stronger for it because they've been through this together. And not many people get to say that, oh, they started their first year of medical school in a pandemic and they actually got through it. So we're really proud of them. And I'm really proud of the way that the school has handled the situation. And I think it can only get better from here. Yes. Uh, well, first, I want to say thank you to our like faculty and staff this year because the third and fourth years got pulled from rotations back in March, and most of us were out of rotations for three months. So we had to quickly adapt, and they developed this virtual curriculum that obviously doesn't replace hands-on learning, but still was able to continue our education. We were still able to learn. Um, so my short answer to this question is we just have to seize every learning opportunity that we have. Um, and for instance, I'm on a critical care rotation in the ICU in Memphis right now, and I'm not able to go into the majority of my patients' rooms because they're COVID positive status. So despite not being able to practice my physical exam skills, 
I'm trying to learn from the multidisciplinary team that I'm around every day. So the doctors, the nurses, the PAs, the respiratory therapists, the pharmacies, the dietitians, each one of those people have something to teach me. And so I try to take a little time to be like, hey, can you explain this to me? I don't really understand this. Um, so that's a great opportunity to talk to those people there. And then I've got my little up-to-date um, app on my phone where I'm like quickly reviewing topics when I can. Um, and then I've got my textbooks at home that I can read. Um, and so the other thing I like to kind of remind myself to keep myself motivated is a piece of advice that I got from an attending earlier this year, actually in Moultrie. He told me, try to learn three new things every day. And then, you know, that day was worth it. And you can kind of take that with you. You can go home and be like, you know, today was a success. I may have not been able to see as many patients as I wanted to, but I learned these three new things today to kind of keep myself motivated, keep my education going. Now, here comes the tough question. Tell us about your long-term plans and goals. <laughs> I'll take that one first. Um, so recently, a couple of weeks ago, last week, uh, I participated in the military match. Uh, I did match at my top choice. So I'm going to Jacksonville, Florida to complete a family medicine residency, which I'm super, super excited about. Um, but long-term, I want to continue my journey with the Navy and pursue flight medicine training um, and potentially go to Pensacola and do some flight school stuff. Um, but I really want to be able to serve in an operational role and be able to deploy whenever or wherever I'm needed. Another Top Gun doc, huh? I'm trying, hopefully. <laughs> Gonna apply for it. That's my goal. Morgan's amazing. We're so proud of her and so excited for her. We love her at South Georgia. So we love seeing that she gets to do some cool stuff now. <laughs> For me, I'm still at that point in my career where I know what my goals are, and that's really just to work in an underserved region and to be that doctor that people can come to and trust and really feel like they can have this connection. Um, but right now, only being a second year, I feel like my mission is just to learn as much as I possibly can and just get as many experiences as I possibly can and kind of lead that to specifically where I want to go. So like I said, I know I want to be in an underserved area and I know I want to do that type of work, but what that looks like yet, I'm just going to kind of see where life takes me. Well, I'd say you're both on excellent career paths. So congratulations <laughs> to both of you. So now I know you've got a couple of questions for me. Yes, we do. Um, so with me being a fourth year, kind of coming out the other end of the interview trail, could you give us your thoughts on how to find success on the interview trail? The most important thing is to just be yourself and, and to be authentic. And I know now everything's virtual, mm -hmm. so that's a challenge unto itself. But, but just present yourself in, in, the, in the truest, most forthright, polite fashion. From my perspective, th this profession is about passion. Right. It's about passion for what you do. It's to be the eternal learner. You will never know enough. You, there's always more to learn. And just be a really good person. And if you are, that comes across. And to me, that's the best interview advice you can give anyone. I mean, besides, you know, try and connect with the person, find common ground. That, that's kind of the uh, salad dressing, per se. But the real core of the issue is to present who you really are. And then things just kind of take care of itself. You know, from, from a residency perspective, a lot has to do with fit. 
So they're assessing whether you're going to be the right fit for their program. And you're assessing whether you're the right fit for their program. But then as you go on to career positions, it's, it's really about just, you know, being yourself, you know, and, and putting your best foot forward. And that's kind of, you know, should be your guide through all your interviews through the rest of your life. And hopefully you won't have that many. <laughs> when you probably have, you're probably going to have more interviews, probably have more interviews in the residency process than you will in the rest of your life, depending on what career path you take. Right. I mean, you'll be interviewing other people if you're in private practice and you're working for yourself, or if you're just in practice, that's it. If you choose to go up an administrative ladder or make career changes outside the practice of medicine, then sure, you're going to have some additional interviews. So I think right now, you know, mental health is kind of this hot topic. We see it everywhere. And um, especially since the pandemic has occurred, it's really gotten to be a huge topic of discussion. So um, what are some things that you're doing to keep your mental health sane and keep yourself happy during this time? One of the things I've found I've been doing is a lot of reading. You know, I, I love to read. And besides medicine, just reading a lot of nonfiction books right now, I've kind of turned off the cable news chatter yes. to help me keep my sanity in what's happening in the world around us. And just kind of taking lots of walks, you know, when possible, not so much for exercise, but just to really clear my head and to every once in a while, you know, take a step back. And, and think, you know, what we all have to be thankful for, because we still have a lot to be thankful for. You know, th there's a lot of people uh, with a lot of illness, you know, 300,000 plus people have died. I mean, hopefully none of your close network, family, friends, you know, have suffered through this. And, and we have a lot to be thankful for. And also keeping in perspective, you know, I'm 66 years old. I, you know, I, I lived through the Kennedy assassinations, Martin Luther King. Vietnam, you know, Kent State, you know, when National Guard shot college students, the riots in Watts. So from our perspective, even though it's really crazy right now, we've been through crazy times before. Granted, we didn't have a pandemic going on with, all that, with that social unrest back then, which complicates things a little bit, but we'll get through it. And just knowing that we'll get through it and just really, you know, taking it one day at a time is about, you know, and be close to the people that you close, your loved ones and close friends, whether it's, you know, by phone or social distance, whatever you can do. That's kind of what I've been doing for myself. And, and just trying to eat better. You know, everything you would tell a patient. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Good nutrition, yeah. get enough sleep, get some exercise, make some time for yourself. Exactly. I know a lot of people in South Georgia have been walking too, because I spent my third year down there and a lot of us lived in the same apartment complex. And so we were always out walking laps around the parking lot together. Just to yeah, we really do. There's some beautiful trails here. And, you know, someone told me one time that nature is healing. And I think that's, I, I mean, I really think that's true. It just kind of centers you. you. Yeah. I mean, it brings you back to where you need to be. You know, there's a trail where we walk, where is one of the houses is like a gentleman's farm. You know, a couple llamas, a couple chickens, a couple goats. 
you know, and, and they let you walk, you know, by the barn and, you know, out where they keep the animals. I mean, the animals don't know COVID's happening. You know, they're, they're just they're just munching away on the hay. You know, they kind of keep you grounded. I mean, you know, life goes on. Exactly. So it really, you know, it helps to give you perspective. Yes, sir. Right. Thank you for that. So with graduation looming on the horizon, um, I've spent some time kind of reflecting on all the people I've met, the experiences I've had. What would you say is your most meaningful experience in medical school? I can't put it, I can't narrow it down to one because I okay. got to put it in a couple of buckets. The first bucket would be the relationships that you form in medical school with, with, with faculty, with staff, and with your classmates and friends. So, you know, I've got relationships, you know, with my classmates that have lasted me, you know, since the first day of medical school. So, you know, it's close to uh, 40, 44 years of friendship, which I, you know, value immensely. And then you think about the experiences and your patient interactions, you know, when you're a student. And, and, and one that stood out to me was when I did a regular HMP on a surgical patient who was there for an outpatient hernia operation, an inpatient hernia operation. And, you know, it, it sounded to me like this person had unstable angina. And I, you know, got the resident and the resident got a cardiologist. And unfortunately, post-op, the patient expired. And that was like, wow, like, you know, you can do everything right. And sometimes patients don't have the outcome you want. And, you know, that was like, you know, like, okay, sometimes you do your best and patients unfortunately still die. And you just, uh, you just, but that shouldn't stop you from doing your best and always want to do your best and always try. So that really stayed with me. And the other one was when I was working in an ER and a individual patient got hit by a bike, on a bike, got hit by a car and they came and came in, you call the surgical resident and unfortunately the patient expired. And that's kind of what propelled me into ER because it was, I never want to be in a position, you know, where someone would come in like that and I'd want to be able to at least get that patient stable, you know, for the golden hour. So, you know, it takes one or two kind of like cases that are indelibly burned in your memory that you can use moving forward. Sorry if those were downers, but. <laughs> no, that puts it into perspective because with all you know, these people it, that have COVID and I see them every day and you're like, you know, they look like they're getting better, but then they can quickly take a turn and then it's a different story all of a sudden. So that's definitely important to keep in mind. People teach you lessons all the time. Yeah, I appreciate that because um, my father passed away a few weeks ago and it was kind of a similar situation that everything was going right. Wow. And then it was just, you know, that was just the plan. And it was something above us that kind of said that. And ultimately, there's a good reason for it. So I appreciate you kind of giving that perspective of being from the other side, too. So one last question that we have, and this is a little bit more on the serious side too, I guess, is, you know, now we're on this frontier of medicine that's kind of no touch, kind of standardized, um, just 
I hate to say being distant, but I mean, now you can totally see a patient and not even be in the same room as them. <laughs> that's very different. That's something that's unheard of from, you know, 10, 15 years ago. So do you have any tips on how to still make that personalized patient connection and still establish that relationship while still kind of being in this no touch kind of separate era? This is a really difficult challenge in how to have, you know, personal, because touch is so important in a doctor patient relationship. And it's building, that helps to build the trust. And almost in medicine, trust is implicit. The first time you'd meet a patient, I'm here to, you know, I'm here to, you know, I'm, I'm Dr. So-and-so, you take a history and they do a physical exam. Someone is allowing you to touch their body. That aspect's gone. So I, temporarily, at least. I, I think you have to take more time quite frankly, to get to know the person on a really, on a personal level and spend more time about the person and not necessarily about their chief complaint. You know, questions about their family, what do they do for a living, hobbies. You know, there, there's a quote that's used a lot. Nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And you just have to do that verbally now, as opposed to touch and care, you know, a hand on a shoulder, you know, something that's reassuring when people are anxious. So I think that's the best advice I could give. I don't know where it's all going to go. I mean, you've got a, you know, a generation that lives on their phones and if they can get all their information and everything they need, they'll never set foot in a doctor's office or an urgent care center for that matter. So it's, it's interesting how COVID's accelerated the technological changes in healthcare delivery that maybe would have taken five years to occur have now occurred basically in nine months. Yeah, it is kind of amazing, especially to think that the way that medicine was kind of practiced before will probably never fully go back to that. I mean, telehealth is not going away. And in some ways, I feel like that's probably really good because maybe that means more access but in some ways it's like oh it's just going to be so different you know it, well it really is and i think it's going to change to a large extent the nature of medicine when you think about it a doctor-patient relationship was a sacred relationship and still is but it's definitely transforming it's more becoming less interpersonal and more informational transaction what you know, a phrase. <laughs> I mean, and that's that's what it feels like because yeah. you're doing it through technology. So it, it, it's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Well, I want to thank you, Sadie and Morgan, for joining us today on PCOM Perspectives. This was a lot of fun. Thanks to the thanks two of you. Yes, thanks for having us. <laughs> and PCOM is very proud of the work that our students participate in whether it be in the classroom or in their communities. Sadie, Morgan, and Chantel represent PCOM well and exemplify the physicians that we educate at PCOM. They are selfless, dedicated, compassionate, and driven. To listen to past episodes of this podcast and become a subscriber, 
visit our SoundCloud page or find us on iTunes by searching Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. I'm Jay Feldstein, and this has been PCOM Perspectives.